1: Okay, topics of the day totalitarianism is alive and well on college campuses. You guys, it's getting worse by the semester. This time we have pro trans students vandalizing a veterans memorial to protest a Matt Walsh speech. If you know me, you know, I'm a big Matt Walsh fan. So we're going to talk about it. Hillary Clinton is back and claiming that 2024 is already a coup. You heard that right. Carried out by the radical right wing extremists like you and me. How dare we? a Republican canvasser wearing a DeSantis hat and a Marco Rubio t-shirt was down in Florida and attacked and then hospitalized after being told that he was in the wrong neighborhood. But the left is claiming that politics had nothing to do with this super random attack, okay? And this is interesting. We have the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, announcing some interesting news about threats from communist China, but it's suspicious timing. And I want to bring a little more context to this strange announcement that kind of came out of left field. Let's get into it. Okay, before we get into talking about Matt Walsh, if you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. Isn't that nice? It's like one in a million these days with companies that are willing to do stuff like that. I mean, come on. Patriot Mobile has affordable Plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to PatriotMobile.com Morgan or call 972PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Gotta love that. Join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan. PatriotMobile.com Morgan or call 972PATRIOT. Woo! All right, you guys. So it's fall semester in college. If you guys aren't familiar with this, a lot of the times campuses will give the student groups on campus money to bring speakers to uh, encourage the students to have events, to become more involved on campus, to give them things to do. It's really like a very basic concept. Right. And so sometimes you have more political groups, but other times it's just basic like. Uh, This is an example, but think of like a knitter's club. Maybe you want to bring an expert knitter onto campus. The campus will give you some money to pay for the knitter's flight. And if they have a charge that they want to charge the students for their time, whatever it may be, like a speaker's fee, the school tries to encourage involvement on campus. And this can also be a part of political group involvement because the campuses usually want to support the students in whatever their passions may be. So this hasn't usually been an issue, but especially over the last 10 years, kind of starting in 2015 and going into the 2016 presidential election, you saw the rise of conservative like campus speaking superstars, right? That's when we really saw the rise of like Ben Shapiro coming to campus and thousands of students would be there and Charlie Kirk did the campus clash and it was Really, this rise of conservative activism on campus. And it wasn't just the campuses helping in this act, but it's it's the organizations. There's a bunch of groups out there. There's the Leadership Institute. There's YAF. There's YAL. There's um, Turning Point. And they all bring in money and then give that money to the students to help encourage them to bring more speakers onto campus to encourage more conservative activism. So this has really, for the last 10 years, just grown and grown and grown. And let's just say the left hates it, right? I mean, they bring their own speakers, but there's just something about when conservatives go to speak on college campuses. Want to know why it's such a big problem for them, even though conservatives are often the minority on campus? It's because the left, especially younger people on the left, cannot tolerate opposing political thought. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's why it's so controversial. Now, you guys know me. You were listening to the show. You know that I'm not some crazy wacko person, right? I mean, I'm called some some aggressive names, but if you know my heart, you know that that's not the case and that the left is just throwing these ad hominem attacks because that's their way. That's the way they operate. They attack you. They slander you. They want to bring you down. They want to get you to get out of the arena and it's not going to happen. So like when I go to a campus, I, it shocks people to find this out like I am protested myself. I went to School of Mines in Colorado, and I kid you not, you guys, there was 40 kids outside upset that I had talked about the biological difference between a man and a woman when it comes to men participating in female sports, even if they identify as a woman, because there's biological differences, and it's important to talk about those things. They showed up, 40 people, with all these signs about how I was against human rights. So that alone is a good example of like, okay, well, we know Morgan Zegers is not against human rights. We know that she's not trying to be disrespectful or rude to anybody's presence on this earth. But the protesters also, I found out it was coordinated by like the Women Engineers Club, which was super sad because so it's like, guys, I'm, I'm very pro-woman. But the left teaches, especially young women, that any conservative woman that believes in female empowerment via individualism, And the empowerment of her own femininity, not the stripping of her femininity, and telling her to conform to the ways of the world, to reject her natural roles and strengths, that that if if you hear a conservative woman say any of her values, then she clearly got those values from the men in her life, and she's actually internally misogynistic. So they tell me, a conservative female speaker, that I can't come to campus, one, because I hate trans people and I'm against human rights and could lead to the death of trans people, and then also... That I'm internally misogynistic, but I just can't tell because I'm being indoctrinated by the men in my life, and the only reason they're able to call a woman misogynistic, because the definition of misogynistic is to hate women, is by saying that the values that I hold hurt women and hurt the movement for women in general. So it's like a word salad. It's mental gymnastics to try to keep up with these people. And that's why I really don't worry about it. Like I I waved to the protesters. Literally one of them came. They all went home after they protested before the event started and they didn't come in. Now, I am like a tiny little fish, right? I just I'm chilling. I just want my little homestead. You know what I mean? I want to do my podcast where I talk about stuff. We talk about the politics of the world. We talk about what's going on in America. And then we go and we go about our lives as educated people. That's my vision here, right? I'm not trying to be some big, fancy schmancy political leader of America, but you have amazing people like Matt Walsh, very common sense, great man. And I support him with everything that I got. He shows up at University of Wisconsin-Madison on Monday, and it causes a complete mess on campus, starting with the fact that these students in favor of you know, the trans rights and the rest of it, they decide to vandalize a veterans memorial on campus. They also vandalized buildings. They did it to a statue. It's all over these walls on campus. They spray painted all over the place, things like FUCKUW, so the school, uh FUCK YAF, they were the organization that brought Matt Walsh on. They they're really good at organizing these campus events. You have Matt Walsh equals Nazi. You have listen up UW, stop letting Nazis on campus. And of course, you have trans women are women. And if you don't agree, you're a Nazi. So all of this stuff is spray painted, especially onto this Veterans Memorial. Now, from what I'm hearing, and I haven't I don't want to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure that YAF just got finished cleaning up the mess that was created by the students on the other side. But I don't want to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that scrolling Twitter right before I started filming. So kudos to them if this is true. But they vandalize campus. They start freaking out and they say Matt Wall shouldn't be allowed to speak on campus. Now that's where they draw the line. They destroy property that's not theirs. They use fear tactics and physical threat by destroying things and then demanding as well, the second layer of this is demanding as well, the removal of a speaker who opposes their political thought. These are two very concerning things because in America, we are built on the concept of being able to freely express our opinions and freely express, especially our different political opinions especially on top of that, if they are differing from the party that is in power or the the institutions that have control and power. We should be able to be a small, tiny minority group that dissents against the big, powerful fist of government. But the left is very much into totalitarianism, which removes any wrong think. Anybody who commits wrong think is going to be stripped of their titles, is going to be removed from the public square and not allowed to participate until they have changed their mind, or at least publicly. So we transition from the vandalism issue and then into the day of the speech. Now, first of all, the University of Wisconsin decides to what? To side with the students after the vandalism. They release a statement that says, we are aware that a speaker is coming to campus on Monday whose viewpoints we believe are harmful towards our trans community. We feel the impact this is having on our campus and we want to reach out." So. They don't tell the students, please don't do that again. Instead, they encourage that behavior and say that, hey, we're on your side. We've got a mean, scary guy coming to campus who's going to tell us that there's a biological difference between a man and a woman. Matt Walsh replies to this awesome statement and says, this is the worst cowardice I've ever seen by a university to side with the vandals. So that's all happening. But let's get to the day of the speech. Here are just a couple clips that we can see from the actual event itself. The first one is just a classic chant. They always have this one. What you heard there is trans rights are human rights. Now, that's the same poster that I got when I spoke. What they do is they tell us that if we acknowledge that there is a biological difference between a man and a woman and that you cannot simply just decide to become a woman. There are many, many obstacles that will prevent you from ever actually physically being a woman. We are told that we are anti-trans lives, that we are affecting the lives and the opportunity to live of these trans people. What they say is that if you don't support them, they might kill themselves. Now, this is an aggressive topic, right? Nobody really wants to talk about this, but we cannot live in a society where the other side of the political aisle tells us if you don't comply, these people, especially the children in this, will kill themselves. So you must comply. We should never let policy and especially policy about things like carving up your bodies as a child, be decided by a side that is so emotionally driven that they have to use suicide as the threat to get their policy supported. We cannot allow this. Now, to take it a step further, we especially cannot say, geez, children are threatening to kill themselves, so we as adults should just follow whatever they say, whatever they demand about what they think is right for them. That is rejecting the basic science of childhood innocence. Your brain is not even done forming yet. You cannot tell adults what is best for you. Adults need to be the adults in the room, the leaders, especially in the hierarchy of children and adults. You need to have that more experienced, more mature ability to bring discernment to an issue. Only adults can do that. So you cannot use the threat of child suicide, you sickos, to do this as well. I'm not going to get into the numbers, but you guys can look this up. If you allow a trans child or a child that says they are trans who is saying, I'm suicidal, I want to kill myself. If you refuse to help get that child the support they need, if you refuse to acknowledge that they have a mental issue, if they haven't even gone through puberty yet, and they are already saying that they don't feel comfortable in their body, that they want to transition, they want to cut body parts off, if you can't acknowledge that they need to slow down, that they need love and support and nurturing before any ridiculous, life changing, and irreversible surgery, then you are a concern to me around children. Not only that, But if you think that a child's mental health is going to improve after they cut up body parts and do irreversible damage to their body before they even hit puberty or right after when their brain is still forming, if you think their suicide issue is going to disappear after they've gone through all of these painful surgeries and changes where people aren't even able to have sex after they go through these surgeries. You think you're going to be able to turn from a man into a woman or a woman into a man and have the same like nerves and the same physical body parts as the opposite sex? No. These are experiments. And so what's happening is these people are saying I'm suicidal. Society is saying, oh my gosh, they're going to kill themselves. Let's allow them. Let's allow them to go through the experiments because it's worth it. We don't want them to kill themselves. And then what do you know? The science is coming out. The research is showing that once they go through the surgeries, they are more likely to kill themselves because guess why? They were people who struggled mentally And instead of helping them, society is encouraging them to go further down the path to darkness. And then they are coming out of these surgeries mangled as truly experiment results. They are experimented on. And we are finding out, oh, wait, turns out they can't pee. Turns out hair, like literal uh, hair from down there in your private areas is growing And all of these new places, because they've made all these new crevices and you guys hair is growing. They talk about it on what is hair is growing in these random new places that are being all cut up and changed around. And it's causing infection. And that is deadly in itself. And they are going to be put through treatment after treatment after treatment to fix the problems that are being created. So they can't pee. They're getting infections from all of these random new situations that are being caused. Their arms are being cut up if they are turning it from a woman into a man because they're taking the skin from around their forearm. And to make matters worse, they are not allowed to reproduce because they physically can't because they're taking these like puberty blockers and hormone changers that are causing infertility and they cannot have sex. (laughs) So do you think it's better to put somebody through this Or give them the mental support and help they need before you turn them into an experiment, into a little Frankenstein. And maybe these are harsh words, and I'm sorry if you're like, Morgan, don't call people Frankensteins. But truly, if you can allow this kind of cutting up to happen on children's bodies, when you should know that their mind is not formed yet properly to make these kind of decisions, then I question your ability to make any other rational thought possible. In a political conversation, I am highly concerned with the number of people that support this kind of stuff. So if you see anybody trying to make the, well, this is about saving trans lives. This is about child suicide. Please just tell them that the suicide rate is much higher after you put these children through these experiments and they turn out 25. What sticks in my head all the time now is that video of the woman who started her transitions and everything at 25 when or um, no at 18. Now she's 25 and she's balding. Balding, because guess what? When you play around with hormones, it's a nasty, nasty game. It's like we see the effects now of birth control. We see the effects of what happens when we're around endocrine disrupting chemicals in our food, in our products, in our clothing. And now we're allowing actual intentional disruption of hormones to take place to comply with the demands put onto us by a radical anti science movement on the left. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. So, long story short, please don't fall for the suicide talking point. Now, moving on. So, this was supposed to be about trans rights, right? Because it's Matt Walsh and he has What is a Woman as his documentary and it's super popular and that's what he talks about. But quickly, the arguments start to get a little more aggressive. What do we have next? Here is another chant that the students started to get into next. OK, so on top of that, you guys can not see the video, but somebody walks by with a sign that says Matt Walsh is for capitalism, fight for socialism. It's like, OK, I can't take you seriously if you're going to be a flat earther of economics and advocate for an economic system that's led to the death of millions. I'm sorry, I just simply cannot. OK, but you saw this. So it starts as a trans rights thing, right? But now we have all these people. All of these people on campus there to protest, now calling anybody that's at the speech and anybody that's supporting, anybody that's opposing them, they're now sexist, they're now racists, they're now anti-gay, and they are Christian fascists. And they need to go away because you're not welcome on campus if you disagree with the woke left. So they're expanding this group of people that they are fighting against. They look for any opportunity to take to the streets. So this little set off about one, one small event on campus is now turning in to a fight against all sexist, racist, anti-gay Christians that are also also fascist. But you guys, what do fascists do? Remove opposition from the political public square. And we aren't the ones doing that. That would be the radical left. So it's no surprise here that this Classic protest that you see on a college campus is turning from one political issue into an array of divisive, race baited politics. Because here's the last clip that I'm going to show you from campus it's a student with a bullhorn railing against white people. That includes an organizing spaces because so much of the time organizing spaces are dominated by white people who don't give BIPOC voices a chance to speak. in me i'm not white oh, it's ingrained right? in all of us but white people you need to realize your positionality you need to realize the space you take up and you need to realize how hard it is every single day for 5 people especially at this institution <laughs> i'm sorry if you are shrieking like that into a bullhorn she's also just looks a little crazy if you're shrieking like that into a bullhorn i cannot take you seriously politically. Also, did she just say positionality? Is that actually a word? I'm going to have to Google this. I've learned so many words over the last, I don't know, 10 years after experiencing high school, then college, and then of course entering the political arena with this miss. I remember being on campus, my first day for orientation and being asked what my pronouns were, and I had to Google pronoun because I was like, well, they're clearly not asking me my like pronoun pronoun like she or her or anything like that. Like That'd be insane. I had never heard of such a thing. So I was from upstate New York in a conservative area. I am truly like looking at the people like they they can't mean my pronoun pronoun. So maybe I'm missing something. Like maybe there's a different version of uh, the word pronoun that I must not know. But no, they they were asking for she, her. And I remember just being dumbfounded. Now, flash forward to 2022. This was back in 2015 when I went to college. But flash forward to 2022 and now it's standard. Now people have these in their social media profiles. And it it makes me very, very concerned of how quickly people were able to embrace such ridiculousness that would have never been concerned. Now, if you guys haven't heard of this before, there's a thing called the Overton window, which is basically what the population considers standard. Like what what's the normal conversation around? Uh, A policy, for example. And so for one example could be back during the Obama administration. It used to be standard for even Democrats to talk about how there was a concern at the southern border, how we had to fix the immigration system. We have an issue of illegal immigrants. We have to solve that. We have to get back to improving the legal system, speeding that up or whatever it is, because it's backlogged right now. We have to fix that problem and then make the border secure. That was something that Republicans and Democrats agreed on. And that was the basic Overton window when viewing immigration in America. But now the Overton window has completely shifted to the left where now if you say that we need to close the southern border and strengthen our legal immigration process so that we can properly vet people, so that we can properly bring in actual refugees if any actual refugee situations ever happen, and then properly turn away the people who are not here for good reasons and close the border for any drug issues, now we're told that we are racist. And any detainment Of illegal immigrants at the border, even if it's for their own sake, even if it's for their own good, is considered a concentration camp by the left. Well, that's when a Republican is in office, of course. But do you see how the Overton window regarding immigration has shifted to the left so, so, so much? And now you're considered a radical right wing extremist if you have classic views on immigration from 10 years ago. The Overton window has shifted. So regarding gender, regarding transgender issues and regarding the LGBTQIA, I mean, think of how many letters they've added in the last few years. Yet that Overton window has also shifted very far to the left. Now, there's two ways of looking at this now in some countries where the government isn't strong enough to maintain itself during a radical uprising like this. it, it It's the end of it, right? It goes completely far to the left And that's the destruction of the country. Slowly over time, it will decay. Or in America, we've been lucky enough, thanks to the system from our founders, to have a stable system that takes the hits, that bears the brunt of these kind of attacks on our institutions and then can slowly work its way out of the problems. But are we at a moment now where things have gone too far? And we can't swing back because sometimes like you hear a lot of people, especially the older Americans, they talk about, well, you know, culture changes. It goes far to the left and then far to the right. And it bounces back. And when it comes one way, it goes the opposite way 10 years later. And we're going to see that same change. But I really don't think people understand how serious the new change has been in America. Like Black Lives Matter, for example, look at the founders. We, uh, are trained Marxists. That's the most popular organization politically in the country. It's a global network at this point, and their founders openly say this. So I'm highly, highly concerned now. So we had that student on the bullhorn who says she hates white people. We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but first I have to give you the little My Pillow update. You have all helped build My Pillow into the incredible company it is today, and you've trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special exclusively for my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream Bed Sheets, marked down as low as $29.98 with code MORGAN, Mike's now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. So the set's made with USA cotton. It's extremely absorbent, yet it still provides the soft feel you look for in a towel. You know how some towels like don't actually absorb the water? I despise that. All right? So I, I enjoy the My Pillow ones. I have them in my place in Texas. I enjoy them a lot. But back to the point. The set comes with one bath towel, one hand towel, one washcloth usually costs $49.99, but with code Morgan, you can get it for $19.98, you guys. So for a limited time, get this three-piece towel set, $19.98 with promo code MORGAN. Do not miss out on the incredible offers. This is a limited supply, so be sure to order now. That's 1-800-738-8374. If you want to call, use code MORGAN or go to mypillow.com and use code MORGAN. The discounts are huge, okay? You guys don't believe me, and then you actually go to mypillow.com and click in MORGAN, and you're like, oh, snap. And then you guys tell me how much money you saved, and it's kind of exciting. So I'm like, oh, you're using it. That's that's cool. I have the slippers. I had the pillows and, no, the pillowcases and the sheets and stuff, and then I also have the towels, and I'm very cozy. Okay, so to kind of transition into the next topic, I just want to address, when we see this kind of behavior on college campuses, it's very disturbing, because the school is not only putting scary curriculum into the classrooms that's indoctrinating our kids. But then when they act like little tyrants, when they act like little totalitarians on campus and demand that their political opposition be removed from campus because they're threatening their, their lives with violent speech, if you consider speech violent when it's just politically opposing to you, we've got a serious concern. But when we see the adults in the room when we see the administration, the leaders, the professors of those schools encourage students to do this and say, hey, you're right, this guy is bad. We're sorry for bringing him. We're sorry for allowing this. Thank you for vandalizing our Veterans Memorial. Save your children. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When you support massive groups of youth, militant youth, it never works out well. And that's what history has shown us. I mean, most leftist uprisings are powered by youth movements that have been indoctrinated over time by the institutions that are controlled by radical people. So what we have seen many times throughout history is the concept of classic Marxism, where you divide the haves versus the have nots in terms of uh, class, in terms of in terms in terms, <laughs> in terms of wealth status and so you have the rich people versus the poor right that's classic socialist communist rhetoric what we've seen over time starting in the 20th century century really and we saw this in Nazi Germany is the use of cultural marxism where you believe in these same concepts of dividing the people between the haves and the have-nots the others versus us the others who are taking versus us the good righteous people and you see Cultural Marxism implemented by dividing people on race, religion, sexual identity, and all of the other forms of physical identity beyond class, beyond money and status in that way. So in Nazi Germany, that's one of the first examples of it because you saw Hitler dividing his people versus the Jews. You know, he considered them a race. They weren't just a religion to him. He was like, "Though that's a dirty race. They are not like us. They have bad DNA, bad genetics, all this stuff. And that was really, really a scary version of this, right? But in America, we have this other attempt at cultural Marxism. And I'm not, please don't freak out. I'm not saying that it's the same as Nazi Germany. What we're seeing here, though, is that use of cultural Marxism, cultural division. And the left really excels at it because they have how many groups that we are identified by now? We are always having to explain what race we are. We're addressing the different sexualities. And now there's like 70. They say there's 82 genders. It is getting intense. And the left that divides us by identity, seems to be coming up with more identity groups by the frickin' year. And so it's adding and adding and adding. And now, I mean, think about it. We didn't even have the trans debate. And now it's like everything to some people. Now it's everything to be able to bring your child to a drag show where, what were were the names of those, remember? Oh, Genitalia, remember that? Remember how I talked about the drag show for kids in Utah that was happening in Provo? And the drag... Queen's name was genitalia for a family-friendly child drag show. It's like, what is that? Now, now that's like one of the leading political topics in America when back then, just a handful of years ago, it wasn't even being discussed at all. But now there's the T in the LGBTQIA and it's a massive political topic. So the left keeps adding letters and then dividing us more and more and more. It's cultural Marxism. We uh are trained Marxists. The best example of this is Black Lives Matter. I mean, think of how they are dividing us by race, the white people versus the black people. It's concerning and the adults are encouraging students to take up arms against their political opponents, to shout them down, to remove them from society if they don't like what we say about their political views. So speaking of cultural Marxism, here we have a lovely return from guess who? Hillary Clinton. And she's saying what? That evil right wing extremists, as she says, are planning a coup for the next presidential election. Here she is. Hello, Indivisibles.
2: I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures many
1: of them Republican-controlled. Oh, my gosh, my heart is hurting. Um, yeah, so this woman ran for president, lost it, claimed for years and still claims that the election was stolen from her, says that Trump claiming the election stolen from, was stolen from him is dangerous to democracy and a threat, domestic terrorism threatening our democracy, which we're a constitutional republic, but I digress. And then now claims that the election happening years from now is going to be a coup already. But what is her reasoning that the state legislatures are trying to maintain control over the elections? But did you guys know this? We are a constitutional republic made up by the states. Now, last episode, if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to that one, because I tell you about how our founders had the ratification debate between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. They decided a lot of the important structure of our nation. And part of that is a really key concept, that it wasn't just our founders sitting in a room together, writing up a document and saying, okie dokie, we made America. No, there were sovereign states that all voted. The people of the states voted and agreed to create, with the power of the states, a federal government That would only be empowered by the existence of the states. The states agreed to create a federal government. It wasn't just puffed into existence by some little magic fairy wand. Our states are really supposed to be the fundamental layer of power in America. And the central government was supposed to be that entity that kept us working together as a team instead of being divided, like the tiny little countries in Europe that were always invading each other and fighting and all this stuff. Because our founders looked at all of human history and said, geez, if we are all tiny little countries, like states turning themselves into tiny little countries, we're going to be very, very at risk of domestic quarreling and civil war, not civil warring, but but wars on the soil of the this continent and then also invasions from foreign entities that see how small and weak we are. If we band together, we will be stronger domestically and safer and secure on a domestic level and then also more safe and secure on an international level, and we will have more bargaining power on the international level as well. So there was multiple levels and reasons for why we became what we are today. And a big part of that is the fact that with this agreement, the states really control the elections in their own states. And then they have the votes for who will represent them and who will lead them at a federal level. The Electoral College, for example, is a major, major part of balancing the power evenly throughout the nation. So first of all, she's saying they want the state legislatures to have power in elections. Can you believe that? She's banking on the fact that the people listening to her have no idea what our founders intended and what's in the Constitution that gives the state legislatures this exact power to make sure that the elections are running smoothly. That's what our Republican state legislatures are trying to do right now in states, because what happened right before the 2020 elections is all of these massive changes that bypassed the state legislatures and went around the expected constitutional process in those states when it comes to changing the process for elections. That's the big problem that everybody's talking about regarding the 2020 election. Is that the usual process for states to be allowed and empowered to do these changes and to monitor these things, it was basically removed or bypassed all around these expectations of, oh, well, it's, it's COVID. So we have to be extra careful and we have to take these new precautions and be speedier with it and bypass the usual standard process. So. Hillary Clinton is banking on the fact that people are dumb enough to believe her right now because they have no understanding of the fact that states have this electoral power. Then she moves on to attack the Electoral College by saying it's not even going to be decided by the popular vote, maybe, because she's also then banking on the fact that people don't understand the Electoral College and that just because you win the popular vote does not mean you will win the presidential election. The election has nothing to do with the popular vote and everything to do with the Electoral College. But she is removing value from the Electoral College. Did you hear her language? She's removing value from the Electoral College by telling first the people listening, knowing that they have no idea about this, that can you believe if these Republicans in the state legislature have their way in these Republican states, the popular vote winner might not even be president. It's like, yes, ma'am, that's how the country works. That's how our government's worked for a very long time. We need you to stop now because you're spreading misinformation, disinformation, which is intentional spreading of false information. I should say we have that. It's highly, highly concerning because we can check her right here and we can show that she's wrong. But she is banking on the fact that not enough people know this because why not enough people know it. She's totally able to do this because not enough people know the facts. So please don't fall for it. That being said, she's already attacking us for starting a coup. Are you kidding? They want to talk about protecting our democracy, about saving the future of America for our children and the future for generations and our future. But they are willing to declare a coup two years out from the presidential election. I have never, ever been more frustrated about language from Hillary Clinton than I have right now. And that's including the Benghazi stuff when she was like, what difference does it make? What difference at this point does it make? This, I would say, is on the same level as the Benghazi mess that she caused and then spoke about in such a disrespectful way. This is on par with her deleting all of those emails because, you guys, she's Telling you, a presidential candidate telling you that a coup is going to happen in two years and she has no idea about this. She's just claiming that the states are taking control of the elections. Guess what? What's happening right now is the left is trying to federalize, nationalize the electoral system and take the power away from the states. Our founders knew that the states have to be able to have this election power and the Democrats right now are trying to pass legislation that would take away the state's power away from what our founders intended and actually give that power to the federal government. Guess what would happen then? You'd have mail-in elections for everything, mail-in ballots for everything. You'd have the elimination of the Electoral College. And if we have the elimination of the Electoral College, we will never, ever see a Republican president ever again in America. Do you want to see what path that would lead us down? Yeah. That's the kind of path. A one party nation, a one party nation. This is not good. Now, I will just say this. When you have leaders talking like this, when you have schools and campuses, students graduating from these campuses after being indoctrinated and encouraged to behave in such a totalitarian way where they can't stand political opposition, political disagreement in their face, when you have that kind of stuff and then you have political leaders like Hillary Clinton, a national political leader, she's part of the political dynasty, right? Oh my gosh, the Clintons, the Bushes, the the Romneys. When she says that kind of stuff and Everybody from the top down is behaving in such a disgusting way. You end up with stories like this. I saw Marco Rubio tweet this, and I just have to share this with you before we close out. What happens when we have political leaders who hate the other side and then encourage this hate like this? We uh, are trained Marxists. When you have totalitarianism in America. You end up with political violence, real political violence, not just uh, Matt Walsh being accused of political violence in his speech for saying that there's a difference between men and women. I'm talking real violence. Marco Rubio's tweet from last night says last night, one of our canvassers wearing my T-shirt and a DeSantis Hat was brutally attacked by four animals who told him Republicans were not allowed in their neighborhood. He suffered internal bleeding, a broken jaw, and will need facial reconstruction surgery. And the pictures are of this sweet young man lying, bruised, battered, beaten, all bloody in a hospital bed. The article that I found from the Miami Herald says this. According to Lopez's arrest report, the guy who got arrested for this, the victim was walking near 140 East 60th Street around 6.50 p.m. on a Sunday evening in a neighborhood just south of Amelia Earhart Park. When Lopez, who lives nearby, tried to block his path on the sidewalk, the canvasser and you guys, canvassing means like you're going door to door. So if you've ever had like your door knocked on by a political canvasser, they like give you a flyer. They say, hey, I'm here with this candidate. We want to give you this flyer. It has his talking points, his main points for what he wants to achieve when in office, etc." I've done it a bunch of times. And it is honestly scary these days. I, I'm not a fan of canvassing anymore because it's an uncomfortable environment. I don't want to knock on the wrong door. It used to just be like, oh, we don't like her. Go away. And that would be like the meanest one of the day. But I honestly don't want to put myself out there, especially as a young woman walking Alone anymore, and I used to do it all the time. But it says the canvasser crossed the street to avoid the man who had blocked his path, and he tried to avoid him, but the guy followed him across the street and said, You can't pass by here. This is my neighborhood. The two argued, and Lopez grabbed the victim, slammed him against the floor, and then another man who's not in custody kicked the victim's face as Lopez punched him repeatedly. Interesting very, very sad. I'll be I'll be praying for that young man and his family. That's what we get when we have political leaders speak of the other in such a nasty, divisive, and disgusting way. You guys, I'll talk to you next episode. I hope that you are just as fired up as I am. The midterms are very soon. We will have election day. Let's see. Let's look at the calendar. Election day is November 8th, Tuesday, November 8th. If you don't have A plan to vote, you need to get a plan to vote. This is no excuse. I am not somebody who's going to be like, I really want you guys to show up on election day. No, I would assume that you have your plan for showing up on election day. Now you need to also encourage other people to do the same. I have seen too many elections, one by one, two, three votes. You think I'm joking? I have seen too many at this point to not be superstitious of like, oh my gosh, it's going to be the election where where one person doesn't show up and then we lose it by one vote. It's happened so many times. It's not even funny. Please be the difference. Your vote actually does matter. It's not like, oh, there's millions of people here and my vote won't, won't make a difference. Some elections are won by one vote. And I've seen a bunch of them. If that doesn't freak you out and get you to want to go, I don't know what will. I'll see you guys later. If you haven't hit subscribe, I would really appreciate it. Bye bye.